0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Acts chapter number 22, I want to read the first five verses of... uh, that chapter here this evening Acts 22 and the first five verses of that chapter here tonight amen the Bible says men brethren and fathers hear ye my defense which I make now unto you and when they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them they kept the more silence and he saith I am verily a man which am a Jew born in Tarsus city in cilicia yet brought up in the city at the feet of gamaliel and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers and was zealous toward god as ye all are this day and i persecuted this way unto the death binding and delivering into prisons both men and women as also the high priest doth bear me witness and all the estate of the elders from whom also I received letters unto the brethren I went to damascus to bring them which were there bound unto jerusalem for to be punished amen i'm going to try to cover the whole chapter here tonight amen the next few verses like 6 through 16 is a reoccurrence of chapter number 9 that uh, we have already started studied the conversion Of Saul and I'll probably refer to him as Paul because that's the way he's referred to as right now tonight to put a title on this lesson this evening like to call it this you're where I you're where I was you are where I was all right amen because I think that is the overarching uh, take home for here for us here tonight hallelujah let's go to the Lord in prayer father I come to you Jesus here this evening God, we're grateful, Lord, for another time, Jesus, to be Lord in the house of the Lord. I pray, O oh God, that you have a minister, Lord, each and every heart, each and every soul. Give us strength, Lord, I pray, God. Give your people strength better, weak and tired in their bodies, God, from Halfway of a work week, Lord Jesus. Already, I pray, God, that you have to minister to them, God through your word. Help us, God, to glean, the Lord Jesus, from the scriptures tonight. I pray, O oh, Lord God, for it is food for our soul, it is direction and guidance for our life. We will not fail, O Lord Jesus, to thank and praise and glorify you, Lord Jesus, for what you do, God, in this place. And we give you all the honor and the glory for it, in the name of Jesus Christ. That we pray, Amen and Amen. The church say. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. You're where I was, or you are, if you don't like the contraction. You are where I was. As I said last week and made some people happy that there will probably be portions of chapter 22 that we'll be able to skip over. Amen. Uh, We don't want to be too quick, amen, to run over chapter number 22. Because in it is a story that we have already visited, and that is the conversion of the Apostle Paul that we have already studied back in Acts chapter number nine, and it was valid and it was important. However, the difference, you say, well, what's the difference? You know, well, Paul's telling uh, the story basically from his perspective, whereas uh, the writer of the book of Acts, Luke, was telling the story, and he's still pinning the story, but he's telling the story as in a record and account. And so the difference here is this, is that the conversion was given the first time in Acts chapter number nine, uh, for the readers of the scripture for the purpose of giving an account of the conversion of the Apostle Paul. Uh, for our benefit you might say. But now that it is given this second time the reason why it's brought up this second time. Is that Paul is given his account of his conversion. Because he knew it was going to benefit the people who are are now exactly where Paul was whenever he got converted. What he's doing here, he's conveying his conversion story to people that are on the front side of conversion like he was, however long ago it was. People that were in the same position as he was formerly, and that was being a very zealous Jew. And so whenever Paul sees what's happening to himself, that these people are having actions that they are upset toward him and that uh, they are coming against him and, and that he, he sees all these accusations and hears these accusations that are being made. Uh, and he sees and hears all these things that are happening against him. There's something that starts clicking in the back of his mind and, and in maybe the front of his mind for his memory. And he's thinking, you know what? That sounds a whole lot like the way I used to say it. These folks coming against me for preaching the name of Jesus and talking about the death barrel and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and looking down their noses at me and saying, well, bless goodness, Paul, you know, you're, you're against us as being Jews and our ceremonies and all that. He says, that sounds exactly like the way I used to say before I come to know the Lord. That's what I used to do to those that taught the name of Jesus. I criticized them. That, that's how I acted toward, they're acting toward me the exact same way that I acted toward other people that are just like me now. You know, that, that that's, it just baffles my mind. And so, when he begins to consider all these things that they are alleging against Paul, if we can go back to last week and remember what they are charging and accusing him of, what they are charging him of, you can find in Acts 21, verse 28. They're crying out, men of Israel, help, and this is the charge. This is the man, speaking of Paul that teacheth all men everywhere against the people, meaning the Jew people, the Jewish people, and the law, meaning the law of Moses, and this place. They were presently situated in the city of Jerusalem. He's teaching against Jews. He's teaching against the law of Moses. And he's teaching against Jerusalem. And furthermore, to add insult to injury, uh, he has brought Greeks also into the temple and have polluted this holy place. Now, folks... What they spoke against the Apostle Paul is very similar to what people like them, including Paul, spoke against people that were teaching and preaching Jesus' name back whenever Paul was yet a convert. Because the Bible tells us, if you remember, Saul, who became Paul, stood at the stoning of the first martyr, Stephen, In Acts chapter number 8, I believe it is, he stood at the stoning of Stephen and he consented, the Bible says, to his death. So he was in agreement. He was in agreement with them. And here are the charges that was laid against Stephen. Here are the charges that were laid against Stephen. And you'll note very quickly that they were not much different than the charges that are right now being laid against the Apostle Paul. The Bible says in Acts 6, here's the charges against Stephen, verse 11, then they suborned men which said, we have heard him. We'll get all this figured out. And if we don't, I'm dropping the mic. (laughs) And and then they suborned men which said, we have heard him heard him, that's speaking of Stephen we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses, Where are they talking about? The law, we, we've heard him speak blasphemous words against the law and against God and verse 13 says here it is, and set up false witnesses, they're talking, they set up false witnesses against Stephen which said this man Stephen ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against what? This holy place that's Jerusalem and the law this, I mean, this is like deja vu all over. Amen. They did this to Stephen, and now they're doing this against Paul. Yet the difference was Paul was in on it back whenever they did it against Stephen. He was in agreement with it. And so Paul lets his accusers know, right now in this moment of Acts 22, he's letting his accusers know, hey, the very thing that you, you charged me with, he says, the very thing you charged me with, I charged other people with. I spoke those very same words against other people in my past. And so there was something that the Apostle Paul wanted these people or these critics, so to speak, to understand. He wanted them to understand that at one time I was just like you. At one time, I was just like you. I had the same type of mindset, the same type of criticism. I was the, the skeptic like you are concerning the law of Moses and where we stood in that concerning this Holy Ghost and concerning, I was exactly like you were not too long ago. And so he does that with intention because Paul wants them to know that where they are right now is where he was. But that's where he started. That's where he started, and that's not where he would end up or where he is presently right now. So Paul's saying, I I was where you are, but I'm not there now. I I had the same type of mentality that you did, but I don't have that mentality now. And so what's going on through their minds? Paul, if you was just like us, if you started where we are, then what has happened to you? What, what's been the deal then, Paul? What, what has happened to you? I think Paul, by virtue of telling them he was where they were one time, Brother Gregory, was giving them hope, maybe hope, reassurance, but letting them know that they did not always have to be where they were at that moment in time because he wasn't still where he once was either. Amen. And so the overarching purpose from my gleaning of the scripture here tonight, the overarching purpose of this chapter is to emphasize this, and that is our conversion stories, my conversion story, your conversion story, our conversion stories may mirror someone else's journey that's just starting. And so Paul says, I said the same things you said. You understand what I'm talking about? Brother Malo, 10 years ago, you probably had your own ideas and thoughts concerning the apostolic church, right? You had your own thoughts and opinions concerning all of you probably to a certain degree, whenever you were exposed to the truth of God's word, had your own thoughts and opinions. But the thing is this, you are now where you are today, but there's other people just like you forming now the very same opinions. The very same opinions that you once had, they now have. Some of them are skeptical. Some of them are critical. But they're just where you were. However many years ago now that that has been. And so Paul identified, I've been where you are at. Yes. That apostolic, sanctified, Holy Ghost walking, tongue-talking, apostolic Paul said, I've been where you're at. Do you understand what type of walls come down whenever someone that has an opinion of you of being a 57 model Christian that's been around and in this thing your whole life and you got it all together, you tell them, I've been where you're at. I've been where you're at. I I had the doubts. I had the confusion. I was bewildered. I didn't know what to go on or what to think. And you say, I've been there. Oh God, I've, I've been there. And so he proceeds, though, Paul doesn't just leave them with the testimony, I've been where you're at. He proceeds to tell them what happened to him. What happened to them. And he tells them how he changed or how what he came in contact with affected him and changed him, changed his outlook, changed his mindset, changed who and what he was. And so before all of this, What he relates to them. He tells them then, he starts from the very beginning. He tells them who and what he was before conversion, and then he's gonna tell them about his life at conversion, and then he's gonna tell them about his life after conversion. Someone say amen. (laughs) So the last time that we left, the Apostle Paul, he's just standing there with his legs on the stairs. And he was on the verge of addressing an angry mob that had been angry at him. He's left there with the allegations that are set against him. He has been left there. He, the Bible says he had already been bound with two chains, so he's there bound. And he's left there with just a permission from the chief captain to address this angry mob. Amen. Amen. And it's very important because uh, along the way, if you'll remember, the chief captain wanted to know something. He wanted to know who this individual was, speaking of Paul. And he also wanted to know what has this man done. I mean, there's this angry mob. People are upset. They're calling at him. Remember, they had, to, they had to bear him up on their shoulders, so to speak. They're, so what what is it? that this man has done. He would really like to have that answered, amen, but he doesn't quite get it answered yet, but he will eventually, amen, as the book of Acts goes on. But we'll look at that just a little bit later. Now, Paul, whenever he addresses the crowd, he doesn't address the crowd in the universal Greek language as he did the chief captain, amen, he doesn't do that. He addresses the people in the Hebrew tongue. Now, the universal language of that time was Greek. Historically, Jerusalem and other areas in that vicinity had been Hellenized, which is just a fancy way to say that they have accepted and adopted Greek culture, Greek language, all the different things that the Greeks done. They just accepted that and they just made that a part of their own life. And so since Greek was the universal language as a result of that, everyone would speak in Greek if they wanted to understand or convey something between each other. But Paul needed to narrow his focus down because every accusation against him about you're against the people, the Jews, you're against the city of Jerusalem, you're uh, against the law of Moses, all of that has to do with the Jewish culture and Jewish background. And so he hones in his focus. He doesn't speak in the Greek language that's going to address everybody. He speaks in the language of the Jews. He speaks in the language of the Hebrew tongue, Aramaic. Amen. Which you know what does for the Apostle Paul? For all these people that say you're against the Jews, that tied him very greatly to being a Jew himself, being that he knew Aramaic. So you all saying I'm against the Jews, but I'm speaking your language. Paul's going to just whittle away at a few of these things. And so he's speaking their language. He's talking to them. And the crowd kind of calms down a little bit. And they want to know what's going on. Now, now, now think about it. it you, you, we, are, we are a diverse enough America that you know whenever you're in a store and you hear somebody else speaking a language that you don't know, you're just kind of over there, right? <laughs> you're getting your tomatoes and your celery and you just don't have size. size they whatever. And you're like, yeah, that's great. And they're thinking the same thing about you if they don't know your language. And so we have different groups of people here that are hearing every syllable understanding what the Apostle Paul is saying and then there's other people that may have a very limited understanding of what's being said and there's some others that have no idea at all what's being said. As a matter of fact, the, 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 the Roman chief captain he probably has the slightest he's allowed Paul to speak but he probably don't know what Paul's saying because Paul's speaking in a language and tongue that he is not familiar with. So here's Paul. I love Paul. I wouldn't say that all day. I love Paul. He is such a clever guy. He slowly addresses their allegations against him. Because firstly, they said, you you know, you're against the Jewish people. Paul comes out of the chute and he classifies himself and, and categorizes himself. He says, I am a Jew. I am a Jew. So if Paul is teaching against the Jews, he would have to make himself chargeable because This bad English, he is one. That's that's him. If Paul taught against the Jews, he would make himself chargeable. And Paul, look, he didn't have a problem necessarily with the Jewish culture, but he was a little leery about keeping ceremonial Jewish laws, as we've already studied, for the purpose of New Testament salvation has no problem with Jewish culture as a Jewish culture. He has a problem with Jewish religion being mandatory for salvation. That's what Paul has a problem with. And so nevertheless, he categorized himself as a Jew. As a matter of fact, Paul did a better one than that. One of the letters to the church at Philippi. He wrote to them and told the Philippians. He said, listen here, boys, and I'll read it. He said, listen here, if anybody has reason to boast in their flesh concerning Jewish things, he said, you looking at the man that can crow right here. You like that modern day terminology there? He said, you looking at the man that can crow right here. Look at Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 4, what the Bible says. Paul's writing to the church at Philippi. He says, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh I more circumcised Woo. while preaching against circumcision for salvation in the book of Acts but as a Jew culturally he was circumcised he said the eighth day folks there ain't no greater mark on his life than a Hebrew or a Jew than that right there Circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel. And here last week he thought he had to go in the temple and keep a rite of purification. Honey, he's got enough corn in the crib to purify the Jew. Circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, one of the twelve tribes of Israel, of Jacob, that went back then to Isaac, went back to Abraham, the father of all the Jewish nation. Huh? He says, I am of the tribe of, of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Yeah. Look at this. As touching, here we go. He's, chis- he's chiseling out another little thing. you you against the law of Moses. He says, as touching the law of Pharisee. Now that's the strictest sect of people that kept the law. They believe in the, the, the dotting of the I, the crossing of the T. There was none that was any stricter concerning the law than the Pharisees. They said, you're against it, Paul. Paul says, man, I was a Pharisee. And so he was. He said, concerning zeal, he said, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. He concerning the things of the law? He said, I was blameless concerning all these things. He said, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ, those things that were gained to me in my flesh, those things that were gained to me as a Jew, he said, I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. If that isn't enough proof, I don't know what is. Paul didn't view his Jewish background as the key to salvation. He didn't consider a Jewish Christian to be a higher status than a Greek Christian. If anything, Paul, according to Philippians, Paul saw that his Jewish background could possibly become a stumbling block to his newfound relationship with God. If he started putting too much emphasis on his culture rather than salvation by grace through faith, amen, he sees that it could be a stumbling block to him, he says in, the, in his flesh, he says these things are admired, other Jews admire that I am I am circumcised and I'm obedient to the law and, and that I keep all the ceremonial and the cultural things of, of, of my people they admire that and they esteem that, he says but I tell you what, in the shadow of the cross he said I count them all as lost and he says I uphold the Lord Jesus Christ. He said because all of my ceremonies could have never saved me. All of these sacrifices could have never saved me. My circumcision in the flesh, it never saved me. Amen. All of these different things of tabernacles and Pentecost and feasts and oils never, never saved me. But whenever a man came down from glory, God came down and put himself and a man in a body and went to the cross and blood was shed. Amen. That is what take care of my salvation Jew, Gentile, barbarian, female, male matters not. Yes. Says I counted all as laws for Christ Jesus. if I was a Jew. I was a Jew. So lest Paul would believe that his Jewish practices would secure him Christ, he held those things loosely. He held them loosely. He gained Christ by faith, so he holds all these other things loosely. He even explains in verse 10 of that same chapter there, he explains in verse number 10 that what his righteousness, let me just read it, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable, verse 9 rather, and be found in him not having my own righteousness, being found in Christ that is, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, you hear it? But that which is through the faith of Christ, The righteousness which is of God by faith. And he further defines what his righteousness which is of God by faith is. In verse number 10. That I may know him. The power of his resurrection. That's Holy Ghost power. For us the parallel. That's Holy Ghost power. And the fellowship of his suffering. For us. That is the crucifying. That is the dying. That is repentance for us. And being made conformable unto his death. That's the burial. That's the burying of the body. That's baptism in Jesus' name. He says, not the righteousness that's in the flesh, that's according to the law, but the righteousness that is in God by faith. And to further define that, it's my experience of repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, in the infilling of the Holy Ghost. That's the righteousness that I am secure in. That's the righteousness by where I know Him. Not a Jew. And so he continues. So he says, I was a Jew he also addresses their claims of him being against Jerusalem the city and also the law he tells him he said I was born in the city of Tarsus region a place of Cilicia he says that's where I was born he said but I was brought up in Jerusalem I was brought up in this city as a matter of fact he said I was taught after the perfect manner of the law at the feet of Gamaliel hold on, Paul, yeah, boys. I was brought up right here, I was taught at, at the feet of a very knowledgeable man of the law, the, the perfect manner of the law, he taught me, now, folks, I know there's going to be exception to the rule many times, but seldom does a person attack the place where they were brought up, I mean, seldom, wherever you were reared and you were raised, I mean, you have, because uh, I, maybe it's because of those are your, years you know of childhood and stuff that's there and you just have memories of uh, hopefully, hopefully I say this, there's always exceptions, no one pin me to the wall later, you know, hopefully there's always just good memories that are there and so seldom does a person attack the place where they were brought up or the people necessarily of that place and so Paul says this is where I was brought up in Jerusalem and you're saying I'm going to get you, this this is, these are my people (laughs) this is where I was brought up Not only that, I was taught at the feet of of Gamaliel. Gamaliel was a character that would have been known by most, if not all of them. Gamaliel would. Gamaliel at this point in time already passed on, already dead. And people even write, write of him. And stories that write of him said that whenever Gamaliel died, Many people said that a part of the law died because he was such a strong supporter of the law and a teacher of the law. And that's the type of person that Paul learned the law from. And so you know that he knew the law because Paul's teacher was one of the greatest teachers of the law. So Paul had perfect knowledge of the law and he had a very good teacher. And so he's saying, guys, he said, I'm not preaching against, I'm not, I'm not coming against Jerusalem. I'm not coming against the law here. As a matter of fact, he goes on, whenever he speaks of what happened to him, he goes on and he says, i tell you what, he says, there are some of you all that are probably even here today, some of you high priests, some of you elders that are here today, that was there back however many years ago whenever I asked for letters to go to Damascus. And grab these people that taught in the name of Jesus. Some of y'all probably serving still up here on the board of the Sanhedrin. Y'all, oh, you know, yo you She's probably still there. And You remember whenever I was given even the letters to do this. You know what Paul was saying in this moment of his pre-conversion? He's basically saying this. He says, you all are zealous. He said, I was zealous. He said, you all are persecuting the way otherwise known as Christianity. He said, I persecuted Christianity. I persecuted Christians. He said, you all are trying to place me in prison. He said, there's a lot of people I put in prison too. He said, this isn't really about me being against you. No, no. It's not about me being against you. He says, it's about me. I was you. I was you. It's about you. I can say I'll tell you on this side of it. It's about you. You don't have the revelation of the almighty God that came in the man Christ Jesus. It's about you taking all of your theories and all of your feast and all of your offerings and all of your ceremony and all of your ritual. It's about you taking all of that and gaining the experience of what all that represents. He said that's what it's about. He says the point is here today, uh, folks, is that I was where you were. And here's the point for us tonight. You sat where you are right now, but there's people that's just starting a journey. They're just starting, or maybe not quite yet started their journey. That are in the exact same place that you were, or at least a similar place where you were. Amen. Some of you, it's maybe been a year ago. For others, it might have been five years ago. For some, it may have been 20 years ago. But there's people in the exact same place where you've begun a And 20 years ago, five years ago, one year ago, someone say amen. And what I'm saying today as Apostle Pauls of this hour is that we need to find some, some place, some point of commonality with those people. Paul did. He said, I did the same thing. I did what you're doing. I did it, I did it, I did it. And you say, well, Brother McGee, no one has my exact, no, okay, you want to start pulling hairs for crying out. No one has my exact story. Maybe they don't but if you were an addict before you come to God, there's another addict out there. If you were a skeptic before you came to God, there's another skeptic out there. At least we can all agree in this, you were a sinner before you came to God, and that's where they are too. If we can just find some level of commonality and say, that was me 10 years ago, that was me five years ago, the thoughts and feeling you're having right, that was, that was me. That You're feeling what I felt. You're experiencing what I experienced. Mm-hmm. Amen. It's people that see you how you are now need to know how you were. What those boys you needed that were criticizing the apostle Paul right now needed to know, hey, he was once us. wants us and so Paul told him that he was and then he informed them about what happened in his life what caused that to change, what caused that to alter this is where Paul then comes in in verse 6 and onward for a few verses and tells them about his conversion about that bright light being knocked down, couldn't see, had to be led by a hand, by a lad into the city, heard a voice saying that a particular man by the name of Ananias is going to come see you. Start bearing the story how he would pray for him and that the scales would fall as though it were from his eyes and, and that he would receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and that he would be baptized, calling upon the name of the Lord and his sins would be washed away. He began to tell them his conversion story. I'm not going to go through and and just pick every little element of the conversion story here in Acts 22 because we already did that. We already did that in lesson 22. and This is lesson 49. We already did that in lesson 22. So if you want a point of reference, go back there and listen to it but his conversion covers those verses from 6 to 16 and Paul just highlights the items that would be important to those whom he is speaking to right now because he affirms to them some things and what he affirms to them are some things that they were doubtful about because the stories that they heard was that Jesus went to a cross that Jesus went to a tomb three days later they couldn't find his body but his disciples and other people were probably been given a bill of goods and stole away the body and and that is what they were accepting as true but Paul shows up and says on my way to the Damascus road I heard a voice from heaven and there was a light and I said who art thou Lord and he said I am Jesus who I'm, so I'm affirming to you he is a light. Something that needs to be taken off, if you will, the myths of the world, that Jesus is not some other God that's dead in a tomb somewhere. It needs to be reaffirmed to our world, our community, your family. He's alive and well. He sits upon the center of the throne. He does all things after the counsel of his own will. Amen. So he's in, he's informing. He's hitting the tops of the trees here. He's alive. Contrary to what's being propagated, and you're thinking he is alive because I've experienced it for myself. Uh huh. He is. He is alive. He is alive. Not only that, that God that we were taught as good Jews that there's only one of. That God that we taught as good Jews, Deuteronomy 6 and 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. He says, that one, he is the man, Christ Jesus. That God who is spirit, according to John four twenty four, invested himself in a body, a man that was made of a woman, according to Galatians 4, he came down inside of that man, Christ Jesus he says I'm telling you boy that God the only God that we served and worship has came down and manifested himself as a man Jesus Christ walking among us see because they were under the impression that this Jesus was some little clown that came along that's trying to take the place of God that's what they were thinking they even told him at different times who do you think you are being a man being a man trying to be God you've heard me say it all the time they got it backwards it was God trying to come down and get to be a man he condescended he did he didn't take upon himself the form of an angel but he took upon himself the seed of Abraham he became a part of the human family Because that's the only way he could redeem us if he became a part of the family. Because in order for the redeemer of Old Testament to be able to redeem the land or people he had to be related to what he was trying to redeem. And so the only way he could become related since he was spirit he had to come down in the form of a man Jesus Christ and he became a part of the family. And when he became part of the family he could check off the first box of being able to redeem humanity. But the next thing was this he had to be able to pay the price. And it took blood in order to take care of it. He didn't have blood until he made himself a body, but when he got himself a body and went to Calvary, he shed blood, check off box number two, but the last thing to qualify to be the redeemer is he had to be willing, and the Bible says, scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet preadventure for a good man, some would even dare to die, but God committed his love toward us that while I was a sinner, he died. he was willing Check, 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 he's my Redeemer Huh. Oh. Check, 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 check. So I didn't hear just hear his voice. I seen his glory. So he testifies about his experience. While he's doing all this, he's doing what Paul does. While he's doing all this, he weaves in just a few little more elements of proofs of his Jewish heritage. He mentions how Ananias came to him. Notice these things, and he kind of stacks four descriptions of Ananias. He said, Ananias, who was a devout man according to the law. you got their ears now. About man according to law well yeah what kind of people are. Ananias Ananias who was well spoken of among the Jews yeah I told you he was on top of people I think right now reputable man to the law respected among the Jews look what he says you can read it in verse number 12, 13 there about next 22 he says this Ananias he said, he came to me and put his hand on me and he called me brother. Think I'm against Jerusalem, the Jews, and your law? He said, one who's devout to the law, respectable among Jews, called me brother. Paul, he's not like him. Not only that, a little later in this same chapter, Paul even talks about himself that he went to a trance or he's seen a vision and that happened whenever he was in the temple the temple of Jerusalem, the, the Jewish temple he was in there praying and he had that experience now so that, that we're good with Paul's pre-conversion story good with Paul's conversion story and what that really did for them was I'm at, I'm at a place where the apostle Paul used to be This is what happened to Paul. This is the reason why he is the way he is. <laughs> that happened for him, and that's the way he used to be. I wonder if it started going through the minds of any of the people that if this is what he used to be and that happened to him, what would keep this experience happening for me? What, 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 what would keep that from, from happening? I guarantee you, as it was then, so it is now, that there's some that enter church doors and say that can never happen for me. No, that, that, that can't happen for me. I've, I've done too much, seen too much, said too much, involved myself in too much, and what you don't know, you might be sitting tonight even by somebody that had been where you are right. And so Paul begins to tell, and I, i'm running we will get to this chapter, I get a kid by the Holy Ghost, and hopefully you've just been following the wrong, we're, we're, we're like three verse sixteen by now and such paul Paul begins to tell then his post conversion story, and the line of thought that's happened now after conversion that to a certain degree some of them have been a part of but he relays again, as I said, a vision that he had in Acts 22 and verse 18. The Bible states these word, words. And, and saw him saying unto me, make haste. Let's just pick up here. Paul was in that trance. He had this vision come. And uh, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to him and said, make haste. Get thee quickly out of Jerusalem. For they will not receive thy testimony concerning me. Now this actually... Some of this happened shortly after early conversion. Uh, Paul goes down to Damascus. He's not really well received. He goes away to Arabia, according to Galatians, for approximately three three or four months. He comes back to Damascus. He's again not readily received. So it's quite probable, impossible, that this vision or trance that he had that he's telling of in Acts 22 was during that period of time back there in Acts chapter number 9. But remember, what the Spirit is saying is to so get out of Jerusalem because they will not receive thy testimony concerning me. Paul has made it a part of his ministry Paul has made it a part of his lot in life to try to reach every individual he could come in contact with. Whether they be Jew or whether they be Gentile It mattered not to Paul. He tried to reach every single one of them. As a matter of fact, you know, from our study, the first thing he always did was went to a Jewish synagogue. He was always constantly still trying to reach out to the Jew. Yet when they would reject his message or reject the word, he would go from there and go to the Gentiles. So he is constantly trying to do this, trying to reach Jew and Gentile. And so God at this moment in time, shortly after his conversion, he told Paul, he said, you're going to have to leave Jerusalem. They were seeking after Paul's life. You can read it. You remember when they let him down in a basket? They're seeking for Paul's life. And again, please know, him leaving is not because Paul has something against Jerusalem. It's not because Paul has something against Jews. It's not because he had something against the law. But it's because the Spirit of the Lord spoke to him and said, that your testimony of me, it's not going to be received not going to be received by these people because it's just been a short time from when you were just like them that you were grabbing people and taking them to prison. They're going to be scratching their heads a little bit. I mean is, is he walking the dog here? I mean what, what, I mean what's going on here? They're not going to be able to receive that from you because it's just been a short period of time. Paul was, Paul was a Jew but he wasn't despising the Jewish teaching here. Amen. That's not a reason why he left. Amen. And, and being a true Jew for that matter if he was a true Jew as he was he wouldn't even given, he wouldn't have given a Gentile the time of day prior to conversion. He wouldn't have given a Gentile the time of day prior to conversion. But after he's had his change, after he has his experience, Jew, Gentile didn't matter who they were. He was going to reach after to them. He's going to reach after them. Amen. And tried to do what he can to meet them, love them, win them. He's mindful now of the Gentiles. He's mindful of them. He has a love for them. And so it's really amazing because at that point in time, early in his experience with the Lord, because they were seeking to take Paul's life, God saved him from the Jews and then sent him to the Gentiles. And that would have totally been backwards from what would have happened before he was and so whenever Paul, in telling his story then to this angry mob, who is, by the way, seem pretty silent right now, just kind of captivated by what he's saying, when he mentions the Gentiles, honey, it all goes down the toilet from he mentions the Gentiles. Honey, you had them when you were talking about law, Jews, and Jerusalem. But whenever you mention Gentiles, Paul, it's all said and done. The attitudes started to rise again. Man, they rolled their garments through dust in the air. They're a little bit upset. The moment he said Gentiles, the Jews lost interest, and they became unruly again. They started talking again away with this Paul. He has no right to live. You can read of it in verse number 22. And you can follow this to the end of the chapter. Now, I'll hold you about maybe four minutes or less. Someone's put me on the clock right now. So he does this. They're upset again. So here's the dilemma for the chief captain, poor guy. What he needs to know is what are the legitimate, what are, what's really the charges against this man? I know what they say, but I really need to know what the charges are. And whenever I gave him room to speak, he spoke in a, in a language that I couldn't even understand. So if he even said anything valuable then about the charges against him, I have a slightest idea what they're talking about. He's speaking over here in the Hebrew tongue. I'm a Roman. Right now. And so I still haven't learned anything. So I got to know what's going on. And so in order to know what's going on, we're going to have to send him to torture. Interrogation. Amen. So they're going to take him, they're going to bind him up. And the Bible says they was going to, they was going to scourge him. It's those leather and leather and pieces of thin leather they had bones and, and, and pieces of metal in that they'd laid to his back they were going to scourge him because he needs to know what was done and it seems like the only way that he could perhaps get even Paul to talk about it maybe he was going to have to put some pressure down on the old boy in order for him to talk in the moment that he's about ready to do all this Paul gives a little piece of information that he hasn't gave along the way and he says is it right to do what you're about ready to do to Roman citizen uh oh hold on Paul told the centurion this the centurion went and told the chief captain this said captain this man says that he's a Roman citizen chief captain goes in there so you a Roman citizen yes sir I'm a Roman citizen he said well me too but with a great sum of money he said I got my citizenship folks you could not literally buy Roman citizenship but just like in any era you can bribe Money talks. Paul says, he doesn't say all of this, but I'm just kind of putting this in. What is getting at is this. Sir, I didn't buy my citizenship. I was born a Roman citizen. And whenever he learned that he was indeed a Roman citizen, there were things that were unlawful. Things that they had already even done to Paul and was fixing to do to Paul that would be unlawful him being a Roman citizen for one you wasn't to bind a Roman citizen and not know what they had done wrong I mean they they were innocent till proven guilty you weren't even to bind him until you and here's Paul he got two chains on him and he's a Roman citizen you weren't to scourge a Roman citizen yet they already had him all tethered up for the purpose of laying everything on his back you weren't supposed to do that to a Roman citizen. None of those things were acceptable until the proof of whether or not the person was guilty was known. And so not only that, Paul even had the right. What am I being tried for? What What is the causes that are against me? I mean, the real causes, not these fake false witnesses. But what are the real causes? And so we're leaving. This, this is the end of the chapter. So we go leave Paul again. And this is like the beat continuing, you know, he's hanging over a cliff type scenario here. We're, we're leaving him again to be set up for another meeting. A lot of the rest of the book of Acts is just another meeting, another meeting, another trial. He's going to be set up for another meeting where the Sanhedrin of those 70 individuals are going to come in and hear what Paul has to say. But he's going to go there unbound because he's a Roman citizen. He's going to set before the Sanhedrin and he's going to tell his story. Now, that's all nice and fine, and you can stand with me tonight. But the thing I want you emblazed on your brain tonight is that our title. You are where I was. There is somebody tonight that's where you have formerly been. There is somebody tonight where you have formerly been. And they need to know that you've been there. And they need to know that they don't have to stay there. And they need to know what happened to you in order to change you from where you was to where you were oh let's bow our heads in this place tonight let's bow our heads in this place tonight and the church start praying and i'm asking you to pray this simple prayer tonight god put me in contact with some people that are where i used to be put me in thank you for listening